0: I am very excited to announce that the Folly Coffee Hot Sauce Kickstarter has been successfully funded. We have created a new stretch goal with some awesome free rewards if we hit that stretch goal, as well as a brand new reward offering. Hint, Folly Coffee Barbecue Sauce. Check it out. Follycoffee.com slash Kickstarter. Don't wait. Hey, this is Rob, and this episode 60 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. I that's
1: am actually awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: that's my buddy Kai's a super talented musician. I've told this story at least eight times on his podcast already, it's but awesome. I texted him. I was like, I feel like the podcast should have a legit intro. Yeah. I was thinking just guitar and somebody yelling, poly coffee. And he texted that back five
1: minutes later. I was like, that's it. Do you remember which episode you started with, uh, with that intro from, from episode one? one I, yeah. That's, I that's said, it, if I'm going
0: to do it, got to have a good intro. And so I hit him up and he turned oh, that yeah. around like five minutes and, uh, it stuck. I love it. That's but awesome, I should mention, I'm here with uh, Kamal Muhammad, yep. co-founder of Nashville Coop. And what mm-hmm. I didn't realize before reading all about your story is that you founded it with your brother and yep. your parents.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, my parents were doing uh, Ali Mama food trucks and it was very much based on uh, the downtown crowd. You know, so they would show up and, you know, do do the downtown lunch. Uh, When COVID hit, kind of turned everything upside down. I was living in L.A. at the time, uh, exiting out of my last startup. And I was like, hey, I think let's try this new concept that doesn't require... A pre-existing crowd, you know, this could potentially, you know, uh, have a following after a while. So they took a risk because it was a, it's an idea that, you know, the other one was at least they knew what they what they had, you know, on both ends. With this one, it was just kind of jumping into the water, not knowing how deep it was. Um, But you know, they they trusted the concept and. Put all the investment into it, um, and flipped both trucks, and we took off from there.
0: What uh, is the uh, food style of Ali Mama?
1: So Ali Mama was Mediterranean food, mm. um, and it had a lot of skews. So you know, just so many it's dealing with so much inventory, so much product. So going from that, you know, my dad always tells me, going from that to uh, Nashville Coop. It was it was actually a lot easier for them um, because it was you know very much like in and out style. You get three options you know you get you can pick from four different heat levels <laughs> and that's it. and that's what people come for. you know we we didn't want to do this lukewarm thing where we're trying to be you know a little bit of everything for everybody. It was like, this is what we do. I love it. and um, when you're craving this, come to us and that's I was just walking around with uh St. Paul with my buddy Paul.
0: That's a weird sentence. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, but uh, we passed by and I'd, I'd, had the food truck before and I was like, this is insanely good. It's just, yeah, it just, happened awesome. to be where I was and I tried it. I was like, this is really, I got the medium. I'm kind of a spice wimp. Like yeah. I'm on like, I'm not Minnesota like, yeah, wimpy, but I'm definitely not like Jeff. Our head roaster likes to die and like oh, on the inside, lazy. Yeah, but we're walking by, and my buddy's Paul takes like this place is insane. They like literally all they do is they specialize in spice, uh, like hot chicken, yeah, but just tenders. Yeah, he's like either you do tenders, the sandwich, or you can get out on toast. And he's like this place has a line out the door like every day. Yeah, and that's the crazy part is like you all had a successful like hot restaurant launch in the middle of a pandemic and yeah. it's like one of the few bright spots in terms of a launch you've seen of somebody really garnering success but mm-hmm. i want to go back because yeah. you've already alluded to it before that you this isn't your first entrepreneurial endeavor yeah uh how did you cuz juice is that the startup you were referring to
1: yeah so um I'll go back even a little bit more. Yeah, let's so, go
0: back all the way to the beginning.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up and, you know, my family's originally from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there we had a different tradition at home than at school. So, um, we, you know, we didn't get an allowance. You don't, you, you know, so if I wanted to make a little bit of money, um, you know, you figure out how to... Uh, sell donuts in between class you, you, Krispy crispy cream donuts at the time was target was selling crispy cream donuts when i was in high school and a box of them uh for a dozen was six dollars and you just sell each one for a dollar you just double your money so at some point i get to two boxes a day um by the end of the week i had you know 100 to 150 and when you're in high school that's enough to go to Applebee's, get half off appetizers. And, you know, you're, you, you can pay for a $5 movie at, at the Mall of America AMC. So uh, I was doing okay, and it really taught me a lot about sales and and, and marketing and, and how to um, essentially bridge gaps. Then I went to St. Thomas. Um, the hopes that my parents had for me was to go into pre-med, and I actually went to school um, that summer, like before everyone else came to campus. I was taking Calc. Um, But I, I, w- I was hating it And uh, I noticed that there were some school business competitions That I can get into um, So I, I applied And they're like Oh yeah you submitted three ideas All three got in But you can only <laughs> pick one to pitch So then I told my friends Wait
0: like, do you remember the three ideas that you pitched?
1: Yeah so one was called help points And it was during Because it was 2008 the market was down And I was thinking You know what if you could Um, Essentially, it was going to be an exchange uh, uh, site where you would be like, hey, I can paint for free, Um, but it wouldn't be free. Right. They would give you what everyone would start off with some uh, some amount of help points. Mm -hmm. And based on your skill sets, the more services you provide, the more help points you get. And then you can use that help points to be like, oh, uh, I don't like cooking. Can somebody come over and cook for me? And I'd get so it was just yeah. I was trying to create essentially like a bartering system, but with currency. With currency, yeah, <laughs> with with like points. An internal network. Yeah, um, I didn't have the the skills and the software to build that out, mm-hmm. um, so that didn't work out. But um, I asked my friends to enter into the competition and say that it's theirs. I'll I'll teach them how to pitch, and if they win, then. You know, we would split the prize money. So first place was twenty thousand, second place was ten thousand, and then third place was five thousand. Um, so that way, I could enter all three of my ideas <laughs> in. Um, and actually, I had uh, my girlfriend at the time and one of my really good friends uh, uh, pitch this other idea that I was actually doing called Student Frenzy. And so, Student Frenzy, I, it was. I went from live, living in like North Minneapolis. And then when I moved to St. Thomas, it, I felt like I went to a completely different state. Mm. Um, I've like never seen so many mansions. It was like so <laughs> much like money, you know, and, and it just, when kids are like, oh, we have cabins. I'm like, what is a cabin? You know, it's, it's you know, second home. So uh, I was, my world kind of just changed. And with that came a different perspective. So um, that summer I couldn't get a summer job. So I would go around and I would give out flyers that said, student frenzy, pay what you want, like what we do. So essentially like whatever, whatever services you want, I'll do it. And afterwards you could decide. And so what I noticed, and I got that idea from actually from Panera because Panera at that time, I was reading an article that you could come in and just pay whatever you want so that and if you pay a little bit more, you know, somebody who is mm. hurting at the time, cause it was, it was a recession. So I was like, what other fields could that apply to? And, um, I did that with services. And I noticed when I didn't put a price on it, most people actually paid more than what I would have asked. Like, oh man, I like, I hope I get $200 for this job. And they give me like 300, 400. So, um, it got to a point where I was able to like start hiring other students. <laughs> um, and and we had that going for for a while when I was in college took that capital um and started the the uptown food truck fair you started that yep I started that (laughs) with some of my friends uh back in college our first year was a complete disaster um it was all over the news uh we were expecting about three thousand people five thousand people showed up so the Uptown Food Truck Fair. Wait,
0: recap that disaster. You were expecting three thousand, five thousand showed up
1: because we weren't ready. Yeah, you know, and so there there was actually pictures all over the internet at the time showing um, like people waiting in line for hours yeah. and they couldn't get in. And by the time they got to the front, there, there was no food or alcohol left. So to give you a little bit of context for that, right? I went to the city of Minneapolis. You have to, if you want to close down street for street festivals. Um, Usually committees come Like grand old day Like all these established committees come They present their plan So I came in and I said No one is Like this food truck thing is going to be cool Like people are going to love food trucks We should start doing festivals Um, I showed them my site map My plan, everything They were like You know, a lot of times When people want to do street festivals Their first year They think they're going to bring thousands of people But only a few hundred people show up and one of the members in the committee said, I haven't seen any billboards for your idea uh, for your, like how, like how do you th- possibly think you're going to bring 3000 people? I said, I'm doing this thing called Facebook marketing. Uh, what year is this? This is 2012. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah someone so someone's like, I don't see a billboard. I don't
0: possibly understand how anybody could figure out about this. You're like, okay. yeah."
1: <laughs> and at the time, um, the price to advertise on Facebook was, it was so dirt cheap. It's like you, there's $2,000 on a billboard would get you the same amount of you reach. And 2012, Facebook was up. Like it was big. Yeah. Everybody was on Facebook. It was the hot thing. You know, it was, it was the Instagram of its time. And yeah, before people were just yelling at each other angrily. Exactly. <laughs> you know, at that time, everyone was excited. Yeah. You, you know, you, you shared whatever pictures you wanted to share. It, it, it was, it was the golden age of, or the first golden age, of the, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, you know, so, and I was like, yeah, I think this Facebook thing should work. I'm seeing all these people like following the page and liking it, telling their friends about it. It had this viral element because you could reshare things. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I was like, from what I'm seeing, I'm like, I, I really think we can at least do 3000. They're like, okay, we don't see it. <laughs> we'll give you a little sunken parking lot. We'll give you, a space to occupy 1,500, 2,000 people. Yeah, so 5,000 showed up. Um, WCCO, I remember, they were talking, like the event was on a Saturday. They were still talking about it the next week on a Wednesday at just how much of a disaster it was. Oh. And I was like, oh, I, this entrepreneurship thing, I, I picked the wrong field. And, and yeah. At that
0: point, it's got to be a weird mix of emotions because you're like, I was literally so right, I was wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I w- one thing I felt bad about was not trusting myself enough to push back. You know, like I I felt like I wasn't confident enough up there and they could sense that and they were like yeah you're not gonna bring enough people
0: well and you know? at that point too it'd be hard to because you're like yeah. i've never done a festival before right. nobody's really doing food truck fairs it's not a thing food yeah. trucks that's still like ahead of it being really super on trend so you're trying to convince them of not just one thing i want to do a fair and i have no experience you're right. trying to convince them of like four different things at once so when they're like we don't see three thousand people come through here you're like
1: yeah, you know they're probably right, but maybe not <laughs> exactly. And and there you had you know you hit the nail on the head. There was exa- that was that side of it too, and you know hindsight. I remember even the food trucks being like, we usually go to events where the side thing, we're not usually the main thing. Like like and so that day I was supposed to have seventeen food trucks. I remember that weekend seven dropped out, so now it was only ten. Uh, I remember there's a sushi truck there. He the the chef literally took off his hat in 15 minutes. He's like, we're sold out. He's like, I've never seen this before, and so it was so crazy. um But I mean that you know I I I, I literally wanted to hide behind like just I wanted to like find the biggest rock and just like dig a hole and just go under there. And, <laughs> I, I'm done with this thing. Uh, I should have just went to go don't work for target Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so
0: presumably like it's still going on obviously not this year because everything's canceled this year but
1: Mm -hmm.
0: how did you keep it going after that what was the response afterwards because that would be really interesting to me is you Mm. now go back and you're going to pitch for a second year and be like yeah hey i kind of need you to give me more
1: now yeah you know actually it it was kind of the other way around where you know uh, some of them reached out and said hey like we should um we're going to help you next year like it's and uh, there was food trucks calling from Iowa and Wisconsin like can we be a part of it next year all the food trucks in Minneapolis um they were like hey we're not going to book any events next year until you tell us when that's happening so everybody else was saying it's going to happen again. And I'm like, are you guys serious? Was everyone at the same event I was in? Like, why would you guys want that again? Well, on the consumer side, you're like,
0: I'm angry because I had to wait for a long time. But if yeah. I'm the venue space, I'm like, this guy's yeah. problem is that he brought too many people into an event. Like, yeah, I'm in.
1: Yeah. And so it was actually a lot of my friends at the time who I was doing it with, uh, LJ Stead, Tom Brog, James Eward, like, um, uh, Kevin Walker. These were all guys I went to college with and they were like, dude, we got to do this again. And so um, you know, if it wasn't for them, I, I don't think I would have had the confidence to be like we're gonna do it again. So, you know, we did, and then this time around we were like, We're gonna when we went back to the city, it was just like, Yeah, we we want uptown, we wanna close down the main streets, we want all this and it was just like, Yes, everything, yes, take <laughs> it, you know. So, I think they, they felt a little bad at the time too. So um and somehow we snuck in. Um so before, like with most street festivals, you have to drink under a tent um or you know like if you go to grand old day like you'll have to go inside one of the bars mm. uh with our event you could drink on the streets um and that was just one thing where they were just like you know they just overlooked it and we just kept doing it <laughs> and so then then after that other street festivals said wait they can do it why can't we do it and so i think finally the city was thinking okay you know if if you have enough of the, if enough of it is enclosed off it most adults are going to be responsible and they can wait in line while they drink to get their food. So, yeah. And so it went from 5,000 to 20,000 to 40,000. And then at that point, you know, sold off my shares, uh, with a few friends moved to San Francisco to start juice bot. So it's been, um, it's been a a little bit of a a whirlwind juice bot juice bot. It's its own story. Um, Uh, learned a lot. That has had a lot of failures and successes because you're dealing with hardware technology. Everything was uh, pretty much self-taught.
0: Yeah. Explain quickly what the concept of JuiceBot is.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, at the time I was really into uh, healthy foods and I saw this um, trend in, you know, Organic Avenue out, out of New York was doing these like $15 smoothies. And I was like, okay, I think everybody, I see this, you know, the the market for healthy foods, you see organic uh, food was doubling every four years. And so I was like, okay, I see where this is going, but the beverage space needs to um, automate and, and sort of the juice bars are going to die off because they're trying to compete with Starbucks and Starbucks has, you know, Forty to fifty cents coffee beans, and they're selling it for four dollars. You know, the product. Uh, in order for you to survive in the same block as them, you'd have to sell this for fifteen. And so they went bankrupt. And so I was thinking, what if we could do the red box model for raw juice? So essentially, you could walk up to a machine, customize your drink. If you're diabetic, you you don't need to get. You know, you don't have to put any um, fruits in your smoothie or juice, and um, and you can get it for five dollars. So. We would put it into pre-existing places, um, very much like Redbox. So if there is a theme of where I get my ideas, it's I look at one industry and say, okay, like what other industries could use this type of um, sort of innovation? You know, where else could it apply to? Um, and you, and you see that a lot of entrepreneurs do that.
0: Um, yeah, you see the yeah. exponential organic growth of a category. You see a potential yeah. way to do it differently or an approach or a technology that somebody isn't doing. And just already have this first time meeting you already, wow. I'm seeing this trend of, you're like, I think a lot of people have these ideas and right. they're just like, Oh, but it'd be so hard to do. And I just don't do it. And you almost just like do it. And that right. it's just like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And you, right th- even just the way you had three pitches, but you only could do one, most people would be like, all right, I'll just pick my favorite one. You're like, all right, well, how can I get three into this competition without actually having to do it?
1: Yeah. And I think, and that's, you know, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs do that. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, even you going, you know, I I saw your product in, uh, in Kowalski's and, you know, I love the packaging and I, and and it's funny when I was talking to, um, my girlfriend about it. And I, I was thinking, I'm like, how many different iterations did he go through before he got to this point? Because I'm like, it doesn't look like this was like a one time try. I feel like, you know, there you probably went through so many packages and people don't see that. They just say, oh, it's on the shelf. I'm like, do you know how many iterations that probably took to get that product on the shelf? Yeah. uh, More than you can count.
0: Yeah. uh, Our designer, Luke's really talented, and he came up with like 10 different concepts. And then, so what he basically, the way we did it was I gave him an idea of the energy I wanted to have. I sent him a bunch of brands that I loved, a bunch that I didn't want it to look like. And then he came up with like 10 different concepts i i saw the one that stuck out that eventually became what it is now and then you take that one you do 10 different ones of that one and then you you narrow it down until all of a sudden you're like yes and then you go how can we expand on this logo to the other packages right um yeah the way i the way i put it going back to like your story is like when i look at everything i go well everything's made up so when that person when that person tells you you can only pitch one you're like in my mind i go according, to why yeah, and like hundred percent. Because that's how it is. And right. You're like, but who said that? Right. There's at the end of the day, there's always one person that made that rule, and right. then where did they get that rule from? It's made up,
1: right? <laughs> and 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 asking the how and why is the difference between like going to space or not, right? Like we know that gravity is the reason why I'm not floating right now. I know that. I know that's the what, right? But really understanding the how and why allows you to build a spaceship to be like okay i can know understanding this equation helps me work around it or bake something into it to be like okay what if i took this thing out and put this in um you brought up an excellent point everything is made up and (laughs) and in in, i feel like i forget that sometimes just because like the day just you know kind of takes over um but yeah i mean the fact that we're sitting in this building, i mean, somebody made up these tiles, you know, somebody <laughs> like everything is literally made up. Like, you're literally reading my mind. I have these weird,
0: I, I, I wonder sometimes if people have these weird thoughts I have as you, as you're walking through a building. I had this weird thought the other day as I'm walking through a building is that everything, this is total side tangent, but right. this was a weird thought that I was like, is this a thought that I should share or will this make me sound like an insane person is everything ages. Like everything decays over time. And yes, of course, the things we build buildings out of decay much, 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 much slower than like a a natural plant-based something. But I was walking through a hallway and you go, we can't hear it or see it, but everything around us is decaying and aging in a weird way. And then I was like, also hair and nails are always growing. We can't feel it, but they are always growing. And then I was like, okay, Rob, you should get a little more sleep tonight. But (laughs) (laughs) just hearing you say that, that like the things we're in, the buildings we're in, it's like somebody made it up and of right. course like somebody became the expert and found the best way to do it Right, but there are probably things we're doing now a hundred years from now people will look back and be like I can't believe that's how they did it right and so just being able to something as simple as that competition where yeah. 99% of people when they say you can only do one application wouldn't even come up with three ideas they wouldn't right. even think to put together the thoughts together yeah so you are in San Francisco yeah. launching JuiceBot now, right.
1: are you still a part of Ju- uh, JuiceBot juice bot uh, uh yeah i'm uh, i'm on the board awesome. so i'm no longer running the day day-to-day operations uh we uh elected a new ceo last year of 2019 and it was one of those things where when you do something for like seven or eight years you're like what what do i do next and so i took a few months off just did nothing and at first it was it was difficult for me you know cuz when you wake up and you you're kind of dealing with a firestorm every day and now you wake up and like you're not getting calls and no one like needs you for anything because you're not in the position of need um you, you go through uh, stages like with everything else in life right and at first it's disbelief second it's like you know you have some regrets other times you think well i could have done this i could have done that then you reach a point where your mind just accepts it and, and quiets down and gives it the space and the freedom to create again you know and that is one you know th- i i feel like when i compare us to you know we are animals but when i compare us to other animals it's we have the ability to create very interesting intricate I mean, just look at the world around us you know and and I feel like we have this, there's a need to be loved. There's a need to um, laugh. There's a there's a need to sometimes, you know, feel grief and sadness. But I feel like there's, equally, there's a need to create. We feel this sense of, it's. I, I don't even want to call it happiness, a, a sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. when you create, whether you're painting, coming up with ideas. And, you know, I'll, I'll see a lot of my friends who are kind of, dipping their toes in the entrepreneurship field. who are like, well, I don't know what steps seven, eight, nine are going to be. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just do one, two, three, because you're going to have a different vantage point by the time you get to three. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't unlock a game from at stage one, be like, well, how do I unlock stage five? You don't, you just play the game. And once you get to four, you might build enough of the assets and the skills and the network to unlock five, right. you know? Um, but a lot of people don't take that plunge because they're like, well, I don't see it all the way through. Like that's that's the fun part of it. It's it's you know you're not gonna look back and just look at the wins. You're gonna look back and be like, man, do you remember that day when it was a disaster and we learned from that? You know, that's that's what we're excited about. Um, but it's hard to see that in the moment a lot of times.
0: And it's interesting. The the studies show that the number one Quality of job fulfillment is uh, very closely related to fulfillment. It's it's how you view the meaning of your work. Is it meaningful work? And so, those that view the work they're doing as meaningful are going to be very happy with their job satisfaction. And you know, the role of an entrepreneur, someone who's in business for themselves, is literally every move you make is meaningful because you're the one making the decisions. And um, I've also said before that I, I really believe that if anyone could know the scope of what it takes to get something going and running and profitable. I don't know that many people would do it. And so it's often the right. people where step seven and eight isn't even in the mind when they start. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, with anything, like imagine if, you know, if you've done weight training and I think about like, I remember when I first started doing squats and I'm like, man, if I, if I would could see myself and be like, this is how, you know, how much work and Dedication it took to get to here, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have done it. And sometimes, I actually told this to my friend uh, a few weeks ago. I think one of the reasons why we don't have the ability to see into the future is that we would go crazy if we could. <laughs> so if in 2017, if I could give you a peer, like a, 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 a snippet of the future and you just saw people all over New York or Minneapolis all walking around with masks on, like there's no way you you would go you, you'd spend the next three years just thinking about like what what like how does that happen i said nearly the identical yeah. thing to jeff leading
0: a tour this last weekend i've got a mask around my face i've got a microphone britney spears style over the mask and then i've got a hat on so i'm like you can literally only see my eyes and i'm like could you imagine just showing this screenshot to me a few years ago and being like try to explain what's going on here i'd be like uh everything went wrong or right. or i'm something that it's it's really difficult to explain that to someone because right. Especially in the age of social media, I think we only tend to communicate the really good things, and right. you know that whole hashtag entrepreneurial hashtag right. all day. You know, no days off. You, yeah. you see that, and you go, "Oh, it's just like it's all wins." You go, "No, it's right. mostly losses." Yeah, and then the one win every once in a while keeps you afloat <laughs> until exactly. the next one.
1: Exactly, and that's I'm like, it's it's, um, if there is a sport uh, that very much compares to entrepreneurship, it's baseball. The idea of striking out that last inning and then coming up to bat again and acting like you didn't strike out that last inning and swinging with all you have to think you're going to hit a home run. It's like it's it's crazy. Like no other industry do you do that. It's, you know, it's like your ability to take
0: no's. Over and over and over is like a huge determining factor, I think, personally. And if you're going to do okay, because yeah. if you can just take no yeah. after no after no, as long as you get better after each one, eventually, in theory, you're mm-hmm. going to have a product or a pitch or something to bring to the table that those no's are going to get fewer and fewer and fewer. Right. And that's kind of the position we found ourselves in now. And in yeah. fact, the past few weeks, I've gotten some really hard hitting no's. Right. And I'm like, I had to literally sit down with Jeff and I'm like, I got to get better. Like, yeah. I've gotten lazy with the sales, you know, the approach, the what we bring to the table, and but I I, I digress. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear. So you're still on the board at Juicebot. Yeah. You move back to Minnesota, right? And of course, your next move is we should start a <laughs> a hot chicken concept.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was just very fitting for, um, you know, with uh, the with, with the food trucks. It was like it was like, what, what do you have in front of you? You know, I, I didn't have. Um, any capital to put into a new idea and i knew i was like you know looking at what my family was doing and so it it was it was kind of cool in a way too because you know we've we all brought something to the table you know they brought a lot to the table um they took a lot of risk and so when they said okay we believe in this like we'll take the risk with you i was like oh if it doesn't work i'm literally you know failing What my family's worked on For the last five years you know Because I asked them to you know Switch their whole concept and reinvest Um in the middle of a pandemic And they did And you know luckily it worked out And so It is you know It's one of those things where It's not like it's not like a movie This is like people's real lives You know you, we, we have employees We have um you know with any business you, you take out loans like this is real life stuff like and being in the middle of that and making those decisions yeah when it works out it's awesome but if it doesn't um, the consequences really can bite you at the end but within those bites uh, expect failures and in fact not not just like take no's like, expect no's as if, like, you're collecting them like they're candy crush. You know, like, okay, I need to get through nine no's this week. Like, if I didn't get through this many no's, I'm not doing my job. You know, and because it almost, it's kind of like this little equation I've I've noticed with entrepreneurship. is that that 10th, it gets that 10th ask to get that yes, you know. Um,
0: that is such a brilliant way to view it i yeah. cannot think of a better way to phrase it than that and just clicked so like that just resonated so much because yeah. when you view it that way you get a no you're like yeah. yes that's what i expected you're right then when you get a yes it's a win exactly and then that way it's like literally just a mental <laughs> coping mechanism that you're like yeah i'm gonna get a no in this meeting yeah. but i've only gotten five this week so i'm like yeah. getting there and then that's a really really good way to view it, is just being able to cope with like definitely because people only see the yeses they only yeah. see the partnerships they only see the successes yeah and they assume you must just be killing it so like nashville coop's a great example yeah you see the food trucks take off you're like well just it's so of course it's nashville coop they do really well then you open the brick and mortar and it's right. like yeah of course they've got a line out the door it's nashville coop yeah but how did you get to that point first how did you choose a uh, hot chicken as the concept that you wanted to pursue with the food truck
1: well so you know my uh my brother during the off season, he would come and stay with me in LA and do a juice spot. And so him and I, you know, we're both foodies. We love to go out to eat. And so we go out to these different restaurants and we went to a spot that was doing Nashville style hot chicken and we, we loved it. We fell in love with it. Um, and you know, my mom is an amazing cook. She's a great chef. And, uh, You know, when she tried it out, she's like, oh, I can come up with some recipes and some spices, you know, uh, because our family being from Ethiopia, uh, there's a lot of great spices from that region, a lot of, um, you know, Moroccan influences. Uh, So we essentially came up with a few different spices that we love eating at home and combine that with some of the Nashville, you know, Nashville, the original Nashville spices kind of came out with our own blend and so when people try it they're like some of these flavors I understand some of it it it's just subtly a little different you know and and it's intriguing as you're eating it and that's what we were going for and so uh one of the one of the things that I think every entrepreneur should look out for is uh product market fit you know so is and the way you know that you have product market fit is when somebody's coming in either bringing their friend in or they're coming in and be like i heard through my friend that this spot was great and they recommended it because no, everyone trusts their friends and the people around them the most can't pay for word of mouth can't pay for word of mouth and um we kind of saw early on be like where, where are you coming from you know we would ask everybody like oh so you know because we're a food truck and like oh i'm coming from you know um burnsville i'm coming from eden prairie oh, my friend had it last week they shared it on their story and so that's when we felt good enough to continue investing into the business um when your product there's no product market fit like it's hard to tell like is this not working because i've not put enough energy into it or is this not working because it's not the right product, right? And it's hard when it's your baby to let it go. It's like the like the most, the biggest lie you'll tell you'll
0: the biggest lie you will tell yourself in, in the whole process is where you're like they just don't get it,
1: and you're yeah. like, well, guess what? They're the ones buying it. Exactly. I, I have told that lie to myself a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, that, but it's a it's a natural thing because. Uh, as entrepreneurs you also have to be your own therapist you know so of your coping mechanisms like they don't get it you know <laughs> um and then if they don't get it then it's not the right product yeah. and and so um that's you know uh whoever's listening to the show it's like if you're starting a new product and you're seeing a lot of your customers are coming from your previous customers you have something there um and and it's worth the fight. It's worth reinvesting into it, you know, making it better.
0: And what's really cool about what you've done uh, and your family has done is you did look at the market for food trucks and restaurants and you realize there is an underrepresentation of hot chicken in the Twin Cities, which I absolutely yeah. agree with. Like, yeah. I love Nashville. I get hot chicken every time I'm out there and yeah. you go, there aren't many options for really good hot chicken here in the twin cities. There yeah. are some that are like a revivalist, awesome yeah. hot chicken. There's a
1: lot of great chicken. Um, but I think that what, what, what they do is that they worry about, um, this, I'll give you an example, right? Um, let's say you do a survey. Okay. Look, you're in coffee, right? Hmm. So you ask 10 people and you're like, do you like cold coffee or hot coffee? And five people go I like cold coffee And another five people go I like hot coffee And you go Okay I know what the answer is Lukewarm coffee (laughs) You know And it's like What we see with a lot of businesses Is they get scared You you live and die by the sword As an entrepreneur So You cannot be scared To commit To A thing And so we're going to do hot chicken We're not going to tone it down for because we're in Minnesota. It's like there are people in Minnesota and all around Minneapolis and St. Paul that love hot chicken. And you got to give them the heat. And if they can't handle it, it's okay because you're not trying to be something for everybody. There is a lot of things for everybody. But for people who want this, this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, kind of keeping it authentic and and being a niche kept us strong. You know, niche, a lot of people... Small. It's like no niches, great. That you got your thousand true fans. You know what yeah. you, you know. And the way I've put it, and that's like
0: the different way of looking at the same. You know, different side of the same coin is I want people to love or hate what we make. Hundred percent. Because I've this. Is, I always compare it to like nobody would ever go out and be like, oh, dude, the burger I had today was like the most okay burger ever. You should try it. Yeah. It's like you want people to love it or hate it because right. guess what people talk about? They talk about the things they love or they hate. Exactly. Now, obviously if everybody hates it, you got a problem. Exactly. But if you're just like you said, if you land right in the middle, no one's ever going to tell them, maybe they'll get it. If they're in the area, they happen to be really hungry and they need a, something now. A hundred percent. In the age of social media, you find this weird thing where people are willing to go way out of their way for something they right. really want. Exactly. Especially in food and beverage, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think what we're seeing within like trends of food is this really odd thing where health trends are increasing so mm-hmm. people are becoming increasingly aware about their health and their those decisions but that means when they're going to have something that isn't a health food, it's got to be really good. Right, they'll pay a premium price. I'll drive thirty minutes out of my way to make right. sure that, like, when I know I'm eating, just because I want, like, I yeah. want some comfort food. I want something that's just going to fill me up, make me, you know, right. it's not a health food, but it's going to be so dang good. Right, and so you see this weird split between the two right. that people are willing to drive out of the way. So they're not going to drive if it's just like it's pretty good. Exactly. Or, or if you're a, if you're a, a, a spicy person, you're, you're right. not going to drive out of your way. For something that
1: just is hot enough Right um, If you're gonna If if people have their cheat day, They really want to cheat exactly. You know Like they're not They're not coming out For just some Some lukewarm and so. for me
0: that's been like every day during quarantine yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a cheat year for me right now uh, I think we all get a pass I, I I totally did not click for me about the Ethiopian spices making so much sense within hot chicken because I think Ethiopian food is like the most underrated style of food I, I was first introduced to it when I lived in St. Louis in like 2016 to 17 yeah. and there was just this awesome Ethiopian restaurant it's the first time I learned about injera and just wow. the simple dishes of meat and vegetables with spices and it's almost like a stew that you eat with the injera, which is like a flatbread and you eat it with your hands. And right. it's such a simple thing, but it's the spices that are setting off all these different like
1: stew-like dishes that I went back there every week. Right. Because there's no food that tastes quite like it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's unique spices. Uh, and because you, you can have lentils, like I've never had lentils like this. I, wait, you I know? just had anything <laughs> I just had
0: Ethiopian last night. Yeah, I just got Red Sea DoorDash to my place. That's so funny. You get the family meal, right? And then I eat that alone, and then I go to bed. (laughs) I go to bed really full and happy.
1: Well, Jesse told me that uh, you uh, you played football. Yeah. What what position did you play? Uh, I played offensive line. Okay. So I'm I'm down. So you, you're definitely getting, you know, a family meal for, for one guy. That makes sense. Yeah. If you've played offensive. I
0: hard. still have the eating ability of my 300-pound days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are certain times where I just go, you know what? We're, we're going hard in the paint right now. Yeah. And you just get that. Oh, it was awesome, though.
1: You know, uh, injera is uh, – is authentic injera is actually gluten-free. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, so it's made out of teff. And teff is uh, the smallest grain that we know that exists. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that's why you see these Ethiopians win in races, you know? It's just like they fill up and it's like, we can go. There's nothing holding us back. That's really... In- yeah, so... That
0: makes so much sense because you don't get that same feeling that if you have like a huge sandwich, you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't move right now. Yeah, you feel full, but you don't feel like there's a block in that your stomach. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so, it's really cool that you've got this product market fit, Mm -hmm. but you're infusing your own story, your own heritage into it. So you You have this authentic, because that's the biggest risk I see when people are just like, oh, we found a product market fit. We're going to get a really talented designer and then just put it here. And then, but we're in this weird time where people like the story can sometimes be as important as what they're eating. 100%. And so to be able to infuse your personal story and your heritage into something like it, and then the pure focus on tenders, that's just like... Now when people think if I'm going to get hot chicken, where am I going to go? Well, there's a place that's literally all they do. Yeah. Hot chicken tenders. Right. Just awesome.
1: Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's that specialization where you, you do have to, it's like you, you're like, I'm not trying to get on base. I'm trying to hit a home run. I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I'm not thinking about anything else right now. I'm not thinking about how I'm going to miss. I'm not thinking about losing the game. I'm just thinking about this one thing. And all you're doing at that point is you moved your chance of success from being 10% to maybe 18%. You know, like it's it's still really risky, yeah. but you you're you're essentially doubling your chance of success. And and you do that enough times, um you're just increasing your probability. If I if I'm in the middle of a room, you know, at the, um, there's a scene in the Matrix where like he gets he's in the middle of a room and there's all these doors, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes entrepreneurship feels like that where, you are like, okay, well, what if, uh, which door should I open? All of them just open all of them. Like if you're starting out, you don't know what you like, but you want to create things. Um, go ahead, just, just do it all. And then once one of them really calls out to you, focus, like really focus in and like hone in on that. One theme that has stayed with me the whole time, I've always been in food. You know, whether it's I'm doing robotics or if I'm doing festivals or if I'm doing a, you know, food truck, it's like, that's my thing. That's my jam. I love it. That's where I want to create. I don't, um, you know, maybe later I'll do something else. But that's the one consistency that I always think about. So it's it's worked out.
0: And the last piece to it that I think a lot of people would look at and be like, why wouldn't you just wait until the pandemic is over to open the brick and mortar. Like, it's such a big risk. And there's the other concept of like, well, starting when things are bad, it's only going to get better. And then the other side is from like a publicity standpoint. Right. If you're opening during a time when restaurant industry is booming, you're competing with 10 other restaurants that are opening that week. Whereas right right now... (laughs) the reporters are yeah. like, wait, this place is opening. Yeah. I'll write a story about that. Something positive I can write about during right. this time. I would love to have one positive story this month.
1: Right. And that- yeah. Cause it's all like, and it's sad because you know, I, uh, so when I went to St. Thomas, um, my favorite spot to go to is the blue door pub mm. and I love that, you know, they're, they're still around. Like every day I, I, I'm like, I'm worried about the restaurant industry and, and so are a lot of, you know, restaurateurs and, and chefs. Um, to see uh, some of these restaurants that, you know, I used to go on dates to, I used to go there with my friends, like, um, it it is a very sad time. And I don't know what it's going, you know, like how long we're going to be in this phase. I hope we get a vaccine as soon as possible. Yeah. Um because I saw a picture the other day where I saw a restaurant just full of people and then there was this like nostalgic element where I was like oh my god do you remember what it's like to hear a busy bustling restaurant and um those were one of the, one of the few sounds I really miss um not even just with us but like being able to go out to other people and you know um the butcher and salt and uh uh who, who who is it? Is it Isaac Becker? Who does what is what is Isaac Becker's restaurant that's up there in Uptown?
0: That name's really ringing a bell. I can't put yeah. the two together. Though. Um,
1: but it's a really cool restaurant. It was like a it was like two levels, and when it was full, it just felt like, you know, there was nowhere else you wanted to be. Um, and just really amazing food, drinks. Um and now I drive by it and it's it's just it's closed. It's shut down. And is it Chino Latino. Over there? No, and so Chino Latino was another one yeah, too it's, it's just these it's, names that
0: I think when things are good you go, Yeah, that place is gonna be around forever. That's just right. it's so popular. It's gonna be around forever and it's a staple. I think one of the few positives that hopefully comes out of this is people realize that like supporting local business isn't just a nice trendy thing to have that you go, no, when you spend your dollars here that's what keeps those places open
1: right that's the fuel
0: and being super conscientious about where you're spending your dollars those are the places they're going to stick around and you know this winter is going to be very interesting for the restaurant industry and it's something that i'm growing increasingly concerned about because like we got really lucky this last week that it was randomly 70 right but then you're looking at the forecast and going There's some creative solutions to outdoor dining that are trying to happen. But realistically, that 50% indoors, it's going to be interesting. But yeah,
1: patio, patio season really saved, um, you know, there's a lot of restaurants, I think they were hanging by a thread and the patio season saved, saved that, but for how long? And um, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, I look at restaurants very similarly to the arts. You know, it is an art, like restaurants are arts, like you can cook at home it's you go out because it's an experience uh, no different than you know going to a movie or, or anything else and um having these things die out you know we're, we're losing uh a good chunk of the city uh, off of this pandemic mm-hmm. so um it is sad to see that being said uh we've been here before 2008 was bad and i always allude to that i'm like a lot of startups came out of 2008 a lot of great ideas came out of 2008 so if you're on the sideline right now and you have any ability to get into the game um do so like this is actually still a great time to get in if if in in some ways depending on your viewpoint it might be the best time to get in um you know because i look back and like if i would if i had you know, if I wasn't 17, 18 years old, you know, back in 2007, 2008 when everything was going down and I had a little bit of capital, what what would we have all done? We would have done real estate. But at that time, everyone was like, oh, everyone's getting out of real estate. Why would you get into real estate? You know? Um, but if you were getting in at that time, you were getting in when the elevator was at its lowest point and it only goes up from there. Hmm. Um, so the elevator will go back up. Uh, and yeah, if you have any ability to, you know, invest and kind of ride out the wave for the next five to 10 years, this is the best time to get in.
0: (laughs) There are probably so many people that are like, this is the best time to get in? But I do think it's part of that, that if you can figure out a way to make something work during this time, that one of my favorite quotes from an old manager I used to have was like, lowering tides will show you who is wearing swim trunks in the shallow end. (laughs) And so you learn during these times of like, what works, what doesn't work. I mean, Folly itself, someone's asked me, how's it been for you? I was like, honestly, paying my personal rent is getting kind of hard, but- We've made some moves during this during this whole year that I think five years from now will probably be the strongest parts of our business.
1: Hundred percent.
0: And so right. I'm like, this is weird combination of feelings where stress is at an all time high, and right. yet I feel more confident about where we're at now in terms of like how the business is diversified and the different channels we've pursued and the right. like the laser focus we had to have just to get by. Right. And so there's part of me to this like, well, is there a way to maintain that type of focus when things are good? And so if there's one lesson right. I've learned, that's like. No matter how things are going, you can't ever assume that it's going to continue that way.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, you you have to, uh, you know, when things are going good, try to save up for a rainy day, and and it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. And and uh, when things are bad, it's like how can you be present? Because what happens is when we freak out, we lo- kind of lose our minds a little bit when when we should be looking in. It's, uh, um, I don't know why I read this, but it was talking about for example with 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 like lions when a lion is resting and they see a gazelle out there they don't care cuz they're that's their rest moment you know when when they're hunting they're not at, they're so laser focused on catching that prey that they're not thinking about, oh man like when can i get back and sit under that tree because they're always in the moment you know and so how there's we're gonna look back from this pandemic and we're gonna be like man i could have done this i could have done that i could have done this and i don't want to look back and say those things you know i i want to um even though it's difficult how can we lean in into this moment and go yeah it's difficult but what can we do what can we do differently how can we tighten up because then once things start to you know kind of shoot back up you are a lean mean machine you know and and that's that's how you get to the next level
0: yeah, it's how you react to things that can really determine levels of success or h- how a situation is formed. Mm-hmm. That when something bad happens, I, are you familiar with Jocko Willink? No, he's like this. I I I, I sound like a broken record sometimes on this oh, podcast, no but I'm fascinated with the extremes of humanity—positive, right. negative, whatever. Like how can so, like the people that are on the far end of anything? I'm interested in what they're doing, and this mm-hmm. guy's like one of the toughest people on the planet, like former Navy SEAL, like multiple books about just like leadership and how to, and one of his things is just good that when anything happens, you just, he's going to respond with good. And it's this thing you can kind of teach yourself that if, At first, it feels very phony when something bad happens or something, anything happens and you say, good, it feels very phony. But over time, Mm -hmm. you catch yourself, you're doing it automatically. And so when things happen, you go, good. And if that's your first thought when you react to things is good, now I have to find out why this is good versus like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Everything sucks. I'm panicking. Everything's going to go down the drain, which Mm -hmm. the way my brain works is very easy to get it on that negativity loop. So when your first response to anything is just good. So even yeah. just like the, the closures happen with the pandemic. I was, I'd gotten myself to the point where it just was like, good. And then I was like, yeah. why is this good? I go, well, our online business sucks. And a lot of people are going to be buying coffee online. So let's find out a way to get people to buy from us online.
1: online. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, and I'm so glad you told me that because if I walk away with nothing else, but that today, that like helps me, you know, put things in perspective. Cause a lot of times it's actually just perspective you know and that perspective is uh the ability to get through it or not and and in this situation it's like yeah um you know it's like hey you're going to be the president good hey you're not going to be the president good i can i can go chill now i can go you know play golf and have my life back like whatever the circumstance there is an outlet of good yeah um so that's that's great. So it's like, even
0: when I got this, I literally, before you walked in, got a know that I had been working six months on trying to oh work with God. these people. And I get the no. And I go, you know what? Good. Because if I had gotten it, we wouldn't have to change. We wouldn't have to get better. We wouldn't have to make the pitch stronger. We wouldn't have to have everything to make them want to work with us. Because ultimately when you're getting a no, it's not that they don't like you. It's that someone else was a better fit for them. Yeah. So you go, you can start to evaluate things in that way. And it's another one of those coping mechanisms, which I, you are, seem to be an expert on.
1: <laughs> well, I've, you know, dealt with a lot of like blows. Um, and you just, you know, you collect those over time. Um, I and, love
0: the way you phrase that, that you collect them. I yeah. love the way of thinking about them. Like it's that. such great.
1: Like you go to a movie. Why do you go to movies? Cause you want to see like, wow, like you overcame such, you know, and, and, um, at the end of the day, that's what we're going to be left with. It's going to be, that's what you're, you know, gonna leave this earth with it's, it's gonna be your stories um and how can you make the coolest stories ever like how can you <laughs> be like yeah this is you know and because you now imagine you know if if we're lucky someday to you know have grandkids i assume you, you don't have i don't know if you have kids but i don't, I don't have any kids or, or so i've got folly um, <laughs> yeah see it, it, it is your baby yeah. uh you know i, I look back and they're gonna ask you like, "What was it like to go through a pandemic?" You know, um, and you're like, "Well, let me tell you. It's here's the good, and here's the bad, and here's what I learned." So, um, those are the things that are gonna stay because the pandemic will go away. Um, but but the things that we create, how we reacted, those are they stay with us. Those are the things that we collected.
0: What I don't think there's any better way to end the episode than that.
1: Cheers to you Thanks for By the way Your coffee is amazing I appreciate it. We are going to carry it So Okay Yeah All right That's what I like to hear That wasn't the goal of today No it was funny Because we were We were already planning On doing that So And then once I found out I think it was like It was afterwards And so Jesse was like Oh yeah By the way That was the coffee That you liked And it was the cold brew So That's what we're going to I I Didn't want to like Leave it At the restaurant So I took it with me And I just drank it at home That's what I like Um, to hear and it was good. I had it for, like... Because it was, like, the... I think it was, like, the five-pound bag. Yeah. Um, and and the three-liter you know, three pouch that Yeah, we, yeah the three-liter yeah, yeah. pouch. And it's, like, meant... You know, it's meant for, like, a commercial use. I, I just drank it personally for like well, a week and it was still the last uh glass was good as the first so yeah when the
0: pandemic yeah. hit we are wholesale only yeah at, serving cafes restaurants and bars nice and so all of them closed and we were like because oh. that's a separate business cold brew side yeah. and we we're yeah. like cool so we have zero revenue stream so from we, this one. we were slinging those three liters like just posting it online hey these are available now and we sold out every week for eight weeks and nice. we, we weren't making money but yeah. that's how we paid rent for two yeah. months and yeah. so I'm like that
1: was how we do we were like but Go. did that did that make you think hey, there might be a market here. We weren't intending for this. But Potentially. Like, yeah, you know.
0: Potentially. And it's, it's it, the cool thing about that is it validated what we were doing is that the people still wanted it even if they couldn't go to the place they were drinking it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way to kind of engage directly with customers. But that was another one of those like, good, where are people going to be drinking coffee? At home? All yeah. right, let's... Let's sell it to them at home. Right.
1: Because at at the end of the day, they were going to be the end consumer regardless. Exactly. Even if you were going to go through the restaurant to get to them, they they were the end person anyway. Yeah. And so
0: that's kind of how that happened. So it was that I should mention, I guess, are you public about you step? Uh, Not yet. Not Not yet. yet. Yeah. All right. So I could bleep that out if you want. Yeah.
1: No, that's, (laughs) uh, but you know, when, when it does, um, you know, we're excited. It's, it's a great fit for us. And you know, it's like if I, a lot of times too it's like, well, like how do you know if you should carry this product and it's like, Do you like it? It's like, Yeah, I like it. So like that's all I can go off of right now. So <laughs> that's that's what you well,
0: do. Here's how my stupid brain works is like I go, You know why this is happening right now? Is because I didn't react negatively to the other thing, and I'm like, ah. I don't, that, that's one of my coping mechanisms. Is yeah. like when something good happens, it's like because you didn't let the other thing kill you, you didn't let the other 100%. thing hurt you. And obviously, there's no correlation in the universe. Maybe there is, I don't know, but yeah. obviously, there's no direct connection between the two things. But in my mind, I'm like, that's how this works. But
1: yeah, I will. Well, take- you, you still have to be standing for that. You know, for the good part to have but the collecting you know. of nose I yeah. love that. That yeah. it's like,
0: let's put this, let's put this in my backpack. Let me show you all the nose if you want to, if yeah. you want to go down that.
1: because well, I, 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 you know, um, my co-founder and I, LJ, we actually started a podcast uh, out in LA. Um, these are way better mics than we had, by the way. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, because we love stories, I think that's the other thing about. People who like to create, they love stories Mm -hmm. too. I, you know, listen, my favorite book right now, just to give it a shout out, Sapiens. Um, Love that book. I've read it like three times. (laughs) It it provides, same same thing too, it provides this level of perspective where you're like, dude, whatever you do, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Everything,
0: it, everything's so ridiculous. Like yeah. when you when you think about everything, and that's another thing that I think the pandemic has exposed in a weird way. That you're like all these things. You go, this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, are flipped on its head. That you go wait why has it been like that and that's allowed an opportunity in society on like cultural things and the business side of things why is it done this way and it's almost in a weird way been a catalyst for a lot of things that were already happening right and so obviously there's so many negative things to come out of this but you go the pressure it is placed on society and businesses is a catalyst to where they potentially may have ended up eventually anyway
1: yeah when when, when i hear that it um, the way that my brain translates that is like don't people worry about failure I'm like don't worry about failure failure will take care of itself right it's like it's got its own back like failure is going to show up it's going to do its thing you don't worry but don't even give thought to it because it it serves itself but in this time the good the good things that are happening the things that the, the, the bright lights the, the bright spots how can we do more of that you know, because that's the thing that needs our energy. You know, that's the stuff that needs flowering and, and cultivating and everything else because the bad stuff is going to happen. The wave is going to come in. It's going to take whatever it's going to take. You might be left with just your socks. Okay, let's get moving now. You know, I still got socks on. I still got socks <laughs> on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. This Thank was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's absolutely. a pleasure to meet you. I'll end this it like I
0: end every episode and say have a nice day.